It's the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast with your hosts, Stan Dryav and Nick Bracha. Welcome to the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast. This is your host, Stan Jiraev, my co-host, Nick Braccia, here to break down, to make our picks for UFC 247, Jones versus Reyes. We've got a couple of main eventers here, Nick, that I have a lot of a lot of disdain for between John Jones and Valentina Shevchenko for very different reasons. What are your feelings going into this card? By the way, I'd like to say thank you again to Lenny Hart for setting us up with that amazing introduction. Roll those R's, Lenny. Um, this is one of those cards, man. They do it sometimes. It's got two title fights at the top, but the rest of the card is not a $65 card. I think this is a fascinating main event. I can't wait to talk about it. And I don't have the Shevchenko disdain um, that you have. I understand your frustration, but I still think she's a top-notch, top-notch fighter. And I, I think it's it's fair to call her the, the second best pound-for-pound uh, female fighter in the UFC. Yeah, I agree with you on that end. I wouldn't be shocked if she should be the first, just because I think going to extremely close split decision with Amanda Nunes, where Amanda Nunes is significantly bigger than you are, it's nothing to be ashamed of, considering what Amanda has accomplished against just about all of her other opponents. But man, she just underperforms. I, I do believe she's extremely skilled. She's more skilled, in my opinion, than Amanda Nunes. She has less power, obviously. She's less aggressive, obviously. But she's more skilled than most, maybe 99.5% of male fighters in the UFC. But she fights this, these meddling opponents to extremely boring decisions where she could just blow them out of the water. That is discouraging. Like, as a human being, she's great. Although I do find her accent to be extremely annoying. Uh, John Jones, however, is just, you know, obviously a very effective fighter. Obviously the best light heavyweight of all time. Um, but he's just kind of a shitty human being, and I just get this weird, very negative, odd energy from that guy. Every time he speaks, he's either lying or he's being his honest self, and he's just sniveling and nasty. Uh, the nasty part really lends itself to him winning a lot of his fights. I think he's a nasty fighter in a good way, but uh, I just get this ugh, icky, icky energy from John Jones anytime I see an interview. Sure. I mean, let, let me lay it out for you. John Jones is a supervillain. He has the mentality of a supervillain. Right. He has the personality of a supervillain. He's like a video game villain in that he he takes your moves and he learns them and uses them against you. He's he, he is truly truly great and I'm sure we'll talk about this when we break down this fight. I think he could win a lot of his fights more easily, but like we saw with Glover Teixeira and Thiago Santos, he, you know, he likes to beat people at their own game. He likes to challenge himself and play these little games. But he, I do believe, and people use this term a lot. I think John Jones is playing like four D chess in the cage, and he's just—I think he's really, really smart. Um, the problem is that he's going up against a guy who, you know, when I watch the tape, first of all, it's a south. He's a, Dominic Reyes is a southpaw. Yep. He's only a little bit younger um, than Jones, so it's not like he's got this crazy youth advantage. He's a southpaw. And it's almost like watching Volkanovski fight in that, like, hard-pressed to find any weaknesses. Dominic Reyes' game 
is extremely tight. His footwork's really good. His ability, he, he's able to strike hard while keeping his chin back. He never, when you look at how he knocked out Weidman, look at where Weidman, Weidman, Weidman's chin was when he got hit with that shot. Watch Reyes fight and move at people offensively. He always keeps his upper body back and can still generate remarkable power. He's just a He's just a very complete fighter, very confident, very powerful, and I haven't really seen him make any mistakes. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think the only tiny faults in his game that we've seen is the fact that it's possible to take him down, but he pops up so fast that we don't really know anything about his ground game off of his back. Yeah, Dominic Reyes is something special in my opinion. He's, um, from what I understand, a pretty solid athlete throughout his high school and even college yes. career. Um, John Jones, though, I mean, the guy's got genetics out of this universe. But, I mean, let's face it, John Jones in his last couple of fights, all of 2019, he spent beating middle-level middleweights, right, that came up to light heavyweight. Yeah, he's playing around. I truly believe he's playing around. I think he's he's handicapping himself in order to – he is a cat playing with his food. Yeah, maybe. I, I do think there's a fall-off, though. I, I, I definitely think that, like, he tried to take Anthony Smith down, took him down several times, barely really laid it on him, even though Anthony Smith was, like, just just barely trying to survive. He was very comfortable with that. And it does seem like maybe Jones needs to be pushed very hard in order to really bring that tiger out in him. That's, that's Daniel Cormier and Alexander Gustafson. You're right, but even against DC, had he not landed that head kick, that first round with uh, in the rematch was extremely close, but that second round... DC clearly won that second round by like a good margin. And he was on his way to, to doing the same in that third round before he got caught with that head kick. And all all glory to Jones for landing that head kick. He game plan for it. He saw the opening. It's something he throws quite a bit overall, actually. But if that head kick had not landed with the way that that fight was going, I'm not sure that he would have done that well against Cormier. And I know we're playing a very much a what-if game, but... There is something to be said about the fact that Thiago Santos, who hurt, uh, tore his ACL in the very first round of their fight, ended up going to a split decision with him, won the fifth round over Jones. Nick. Yeah, like, I don't. It it doesn't. I it. Listen, Khabib Nurmagomedov didn't look so great against Ally Aquinta. Like these sometimes, whether it's an off night or they're overcautious or they're trying something out, I just look at the at the whole of John Jones and what he's done over the last twelve years. Think about the number of fighters that have come and gone and contended, not just in his weight class but in all weight classes, and uh, and look at his his reign of dominance and I. Th- think that really 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 good fighters bring out the best in him and i'm not saying reyes isn't going to win this fight i just think it's going to be a fight yeah i mean you do like i agree with you about his overall reign of dominance and there's a lot to be said for that but ever since 2015 he's had one fight two fights arguably in which he looked really good right that daniel cormier fight uh, that second round, he wasn't looking good. I, it's okay to lose a round. I get that. He's he's still the, the best. Gust- yeah, in the Gustafson time. fight. In the Gustafson fight, he looked great. Um, there is, and, and there's something I'll cover about Jones that that makes him kind of special in his own weird, unusual way that gives him an edge in a lot of these fights. And, and we'll talk about it when we talk about the matchup. But I just feel like 
Ovin St. Preux, he looked pretty bad against. And Ovin St. Preux has been smoked several times before and after that. Anthony Smith has been smoked several times before John he Jones. He looked pretty good against Anthony Smith. He did. It was dominant, but it was ho-hum. Tiago Santos lost six times before he fought Jones. And he got a split decision. A lot of people actually think that Tiago Santos deserved that fight over Jones. Tiago Santos clearly won the first and third rounds. And an argument could certainly be made for one of the middle three rounds of that fight uh, going to Santos because uh, those were fairly close. So, I, look, I think there's something to be said about a fall-off. The question is, has he fallen out far enough to lose to a young... Uh, and when I say young, I mean as far as his really overall MMA career, Dominic Reyes. Uh, we will get into this, and, and let's get into our draft pick system, Nick. So far on this year, I am up two events, and uh, you had the first pick in the first event of the year. I had the second... I had the first pick in our last event, and I get the first pick in this one, Nikolai. To me, it's a no-brainer. I know you and I discussed about Chukagin's odds against Shevchenko and how they're a little bit too far apart. I still think Shevchenko is one of the more skilled fighters on the planet. Uh, top probably four or five in the entire world, male or female. I'm going to pick Shevchenko to get a very boring decision against Chukagin. Shevchenko did something pretty special in her last fight. There was a total, grand total of 60 strikes landed uh, in a five-round yeah. fight, Nick. That means that they landed a little bit more than 10 strikes per round throughout that fight. Combined, Nick. I think she might just beat that record here. Um, I, there might be a question maybe about, and I mean in that there might be less strikes here in this fight overall. Although Shikagian, I think, is going to try more than Liz Carmouche. Even though the odds shouldn't be this lopsided, they should still be far apart. Shikagian has this like circling on the outside style. She's gotten much better at countering now, which... On paper, gives her a little bit more of a chance against somebody like Shevchenko. But these girls, neither of them like to engage. Neither of them press forward. They're going to stay far apart. And this fight could be the most boring fight of 2020. Uh, uh, we we agree on that front. I do think, listen, I, here's what I said. I know it's not the betting portion of the program, but at plus 800 odds, I think Caitlin Chukagin's a very good bet here. Um, this is going to go... to I'll be shocked if this doesn't go to a decision. I think it could very easily be a split decision. It's going to be a point fighting bout. Um, I do agree with you. That it's going to be it's going to be pretty boring. I just I don't know. I I kind I'm not picking Chukagian, but I kind of smell an upset here. Chukagian is worth investing, if only a few dollars into, given the odds here. But I, I overall there are some betting opportunities when it comes to the props that I discovered through my research phase that we're going to get into in mm -hmm. the next segment. But, uh, but yes, yeah, so we're on the same page about that one. You do give Caitlin Shukagian a higher chance than I think most people would. Uh, what is your first pick, Nikolai? Oh, boy. I'm, uh, I'm stuck between two picks, but I think I'm going to go with the black beast, Derek Lewis, to beat a man I really look up to. Eler Latifi, Thor, was he Thor? What's his nickname? He's got a he's got a cool nickname, doesn't he? Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure what uh, it but is, he, but, but fire uh, hydrant sounds right to me. Yeah, I like Latifi, but I think this is a I don't think this is a great matchup for him. He's it's not that he's a bad wrestler. It's that I just think he's going to get really beat up going for it, and he's been knocked out before by men who are smaller than Derek Lewis, who we all know hits very hard. And I don't think, um, even with that sick ground and pound he has, I just don't think there's a good... Sh I don't see Latifi getting on top of Derek Lewis before Derek Lewis knocks him out. 
Yeah, I hear that. And I wouldn't be surprised if Latifi gets on top, but I think getting takedowns in Derek, on Derek Lewis is one of the stupider things you can do. Guys have exhausted themselves time and again by continually yep. taking him down. And then the fourth or fifth or sixth time, they're up on their feet again. Derek Lewis smashes them in the head because they're exhausted from having worked for all those takedowns. So, yeah, we're on Unless the you're Daniel there. Cormier, not a good idea. Yeah. I agree. Plus, Latifi, at light heavyweight at least, has had cardio issues so very much on the same page with you. It wasn't going to be my next pick, but it wasn't far off. Uh, I will say, though, Derek Lewis, you know, it could just be one of those weird fights where they stay at a distance. Derek Lewis generally only counters, and if you're not getting takedowns on him, he rarely gets aggressive. Yeah, uh, Latifi's, not, Latifi's not a poach from outside guy. First of all, his arms are about as uh, – like, I don't think he's got great reach, does he? And he's – I mean, he's, he's no. built like a, fi- like a fire plug. Um I think I mean I think Latifi's going to go right at him, and I can't say I blame him. I mean that's just the way the guy fights. Um, but I think uh, I think this is a I think this is Derek Lewis all the way. Lewis is going to have a five inch height advantage and a five and a half inch reach advantage, if I'm doing my math correctly. So yeah, so yeah. He's, Latifi's going to run into something. Yes, sir. And as far as Iller Latifi's. Nickname, I know the listeners out there are are wondering. It's the Sledgehammer, which I guess goes to your Thor theory. Yes. My um, Who do you got? You better not take my next pick. I, I hope I do. My next pick, Nick, um, is going to be... Don't you dare. Are you sure I shouldn't? It feels right, pick. Nick. I'm going to pick... I think I know what your next pick is going to be, but I I'm more confident in this one. So I'm going to pick Alex Morono over Kalen Williams. That was not my that was not my next pick, but uh, I well, I well, I was picking Morono, but it was that's not that wasn't my pick. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I know what your next pick is. I just feel like there's a little more risk in that matchup, uh, and I won't say it until you do. Uh, look, I like Morono here. I'm a believer in him overall. I think he's a guy who athletically isn't like super talented, but he's a guy that really plied his trade joined an elite camp and has really been looking very, very good since then against guys like Keenan Song, Zach Otto, Max Griffin. These are, you know, fairly good opponents at 170. And he's fighting a guy who, I mean, just looking at the one fight that I was able to fight of uh, find of Kalen Williams, he's a guy that trains uh, at Mercilago MMA, which I think is the same team as Daquan Townsend, who is, I think, winless in the UFC. So not exactly high-level MMA going on there. But just seeing him from a fight in early 2019, Nick, this was some low-level MMA shit, man. Like, he was way bigger. He's obviously a strong, somewhat athletic guy, but his technique is lacking in every single department. So nothing impressive about that guy. Whereas Alex Morono has joined 4-7 MMA. He's firing on all cylinders, has a taekwondo background, but he's really putting his overall MMA game together. He's a pressure fighter, has a pretty high output. So I like Alex Morona in a big way. And I think these odds are a little bit uh, a little bit of a bargain, to be honest with you. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. That was I agree with everything you said. That was going to be one of my close picks, but not, in fact, um, my next pick. So you left my uh, – I still, I still got this one to make which is uh, the flyweight women. I'm going to pick Andrea Lee, who had a terrific fight um, that she lost, um, but it was very close. Could have gone either way against Jojo Calderwood, who's been on a real roll, um, is taking on Lauren Murphy. And uh, I think Murphy's a little bit taller, maybe has a little bit more reach. Andrea Lee's been beating and competing against, I think, overall tougher competition. Um, is she a full decade younger? How, how much younger is she? Uh, she's six year. She's six years younger. Um 
I just I just think she's faster. I think she's a more precise striker, and she, overall, she's just been uh, I think in the cage over the last couple of years. Um, she has you know she has more signature wins, and Calderwood right now is firing on all, on all cylinders, and that was a hell of a fight. Um, so I think this is Andrea Lee's uh, fight. You know, fight to lose. I think she she's going to go in there and do her thing, and probably win a decision um, through more more accurate striking. Um, the one area where I would worry about her could be the clinch, but I think she's I think she's fast and has good footwork, and she'll you know she'll be able to just land more over three rounds. That's how I see it playing out. What about you? Yeah, surprisingly, according to the stats I'm looking at, it looks like Lauren Murphy's not the physically bigger fighter here. Andrea Lee has a one-inch height advantage and a two-and-a-half-inch reach advantage, huh. to your point, uh, as, as far really? as her having an advantage. Yeah, apparently so. I had um, Lauren Murphy at 5'7". At oh, you know what? Your stats might be more accurate than mine. Cause no, 5'8". I, I have Lauren Murphy at 5'8", and Andrea Lee at... I have uh, Murphy with a five with a half-an-inch reach advantage and a two-inch height advantage. Yeah, my, the website I'm looking at is MMA Forums Guide, and maybe they're not accurate on this one. You, you might be right, because I do remember I Lauren I mean, when Murphy I think about their bodies, tall. like... Yeah, Lauren Murphy's tall and rangy, and Andrea Lee is is you know, I, I she's like I don't want to say she could make uh, she could make straw weight, but she's right. Yeah, no, I, I do I do hear you. Uh, I do favor Andrea Lee here. I just feel like Lauren Murphy is actually at the best point of her career. Picked up a pretty impressive victory over Mara Romero Barella, and that was after not you know not fighting for a little bit there. So. Seems to be like her schedule is like fighting once a year. Fought once in 17, fought once in 2018, fought once in 2019. So, uh, look, she, yeah, those she losses, though, but yeah, those losses in the last couple of years to Nico Montano and Sajara Eubanks, they are not bad fighters, but I think no. I just think Andrea Lee is on a higher level. And she has a split decision win over Barb Honchak right before Barb retired. Barb retired. So, it's not like the best Barb Honchak we've ever seen. Definitely not. Barb Hatchek was uh, definitely on a downslope at that point. And Eubanks, there's not too much to be ashamed of losing to her. But again, I, I just feel like she is at a very good point in her career. I think she's at a very good mental point, which has always been a struggle for her. And, you know, as you said, she's going to be a little bit taller, even though she has a bit of a reach disadvantage. I see some risk in this fight, but I do like Andrea KGB Lee to pick up a decision here. Um, so same page on that one. That was going to be my next pick, and that is what I assumed was going to be her second pick. Uh, Nick, my next one, I'm going to take, I'm going to take John Jones against, against some of my, some of my thoughts about the, the talent and the mindset of Dominic Reyes. I've been watching tape on John Jones and, and look, I don't like the guy, right? My goal is not to figure out ways in which he can continue to reign in dominance. I... I thought that I was going to see enough holes and I thought that I was going to see enough advantages for Dominic Reyes to favor Reyes here. I like the Ariel Helwani interview that I saw with Reyes. He sounds extremely confident. He sounds like he, he has really the exact, does. Yeah. It sounds like he has the exact right mindset for this fight. Uh, he alluded to just John Jones's weird energy and his lack of confidence, which like I, I get every time I hear him talk, he just sounds weirdly insecure despite how talented he is and just like, distraught in his mind and, and Dominic Reyes alluded to that a little bit during that interview um look John Jones has this special ability that I can't think of another fighter that has this ability Nick he injures people in every one of his fights and I don't mean with head trauma right he 
injures your groin. He injures your knee. He, 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 he finds His kicks way. hurt. His kicks look like yeah, they hurt. Absolutely. And he, th- and he throws you... them fairly effortlessly and he, do- and he, and he manages to keep his cardio. He, he doesn't. Here's the thing. His kicks are hard. They don't look all that hard unless you're really paying attention because they're not really landing all that clean or all that often per se, right? But man, they're hard, explosive kicks on your forearms, on your shins, on your knee, um, on, on, on your calves. The thing is that John Jones's hands kind of suck. It seems like he was focusing on his boxing for a little while there. and It looked pretty decent against guys like Cormier, who's much shorter, against Alexander Gustafson, who clearly was at a bad point in his career and on the downslope and with one foot out the door. But against Anthony Smith and Thiago Santos, he looked like he has no he had no hands whatsoever. Like those guys look significantly better than him in the boxing department, and that's an area in which Dominic Reyes is gonna have a pretty decent margin of advantage, I think. On top of that, Dominic Reyes has serious, serious power in his punches. On the other side, John Jones has an excellent chin. We've barely seen him rocked, and the last time we saw him rocked was several years ago. Now, he was hit clean several times by Tiago Santos. Every time Tiago Santos exploded with uh, offense in his boxing, with combos, he was able to hit Jones at least once, knock his mouth guard out. Daniel Cormier knocked his mouth guard out in the first round as well. Anthony Smith landed some overhand reins on Jones, and Anthony Smith barely tried to throw anything in that fucking fight. So... I absolutely see ways for Dominic Reyes to take this fight. But Jones's experience, his ability to keep you at a range that he's very comfortable in. Um, he generally attacks you with purely kicks. He, he likes to kind of kick you with his right leg and make you want to circle away from that right leg. And then he'll explode and kick you from the other side, whether it be with a spinning back kick or with that left kick. He's really crafty about keeping you on the outside of the fence. And Dominic Reyes is somebody who's comfortable moving backward and countering backward. He's so good at landing that right uppercut, that right straight. When opponents are just waiting at him with big power shots, I don't think Jones is going to be doing that at all. I think Jones is going to be smart enough to avoid throwing big hands at him. And Jones barely throws hands to begin with. Jones is going to keep it at, keep him at kicking range. And I think that Dominic Reyes is extremely aggressive when he has you hurt. But... Not as much when he's facing a pressure fighter. And I think that style dynamic, the fact that Jones can injure just about anybody, the fact that Dominic Reyes doesn't really train with an elite camp, those things lead me to believe that Jones is probably going to have the edge here. But I think Dominic Reyes, uh, at these odds, he's definitely worth investing in. John Jones, minus 420 on this matchup, I think, is a little bit far. Way further than it should be. This should be. We should see Jones here at like minus two twenty, just based on the skills and the and the advantages that both of these guys bring to the table. I like John Jones here. He's on the downslope though, and I think Dominic Reyes has the highest chance of beating him than any one of his past probably fifteen or twenty opponents. What do you think? I, I agree with that. I mean, I think I think this fight's practically a pick 'em. Um, here, I think that. Here's what I think Jones is going to be doing. I think Jones is going to be looking uh, to grab a kick of Reyes and work that into a trip. John Jones, his path to victory here, if he doesn't want to, if he wants, if he doesn't want to mess around, because no, once Jones is on top of you and he's throwing those elbows and he's using his upper body, he's got that crazy length, he's got really good jujitsu. Um, Jones is most dangerous when he when he's on top of you and he's got such great chokes also i think uh i think he's gonna look for a trip off of a kick um i think you're but 
I think, and I think that would be smart. I mean, I think he should be looking for that. I mean, if they end up in a clinch, he'll be looking for a trip there too. But he should be looking. John Jones has maybe the best trips we've ever seen. I think, uh, I, I think that's his his safest and, and clearest path um, to victory. Because as good as Ray is, is, is getting up, Jones is good at elbowing the crap out of people and getting and grabbing chokes in a scramble. So, but that said, Reyes' striking is so good. Um, and he's got lots of power, and he's patient, and he's precise. You watch all of his highlights. He's precise the way Conor McGregor's precise. Um, I agree. He's got great timing. He's a southpaw. He's got power from bo- in both hands. I believe when he hit Weidman, it was with a um, – I think he hit him with a left. He hit him with a left straight, but um, he wasn't – you know, it's not like he had both feet, like, super planted. Um and it was, you know, it was it wasn't the hardest shot ever, and it and it went blew right through Weidman's jaw. So, I, I think this is a I think this is a really really good fight. When I think about body types, though, I think about Jones against Brendan Vera. I think about, and I'm just like I, I have a feeling this is so close. I really do think this is a pick'em, but Dominic Reyes could very well end up in an I've fallen and I can't get up situation. Um, and I think that's slightly more likely to happen than not. If this becomes a, an extended striking bout, uh, John Jones is in serious trouble, I think. I just think Jones keeping him at a distance, and I agree with 95, 98% of what you just said. I feel like Jones, you're right, he is hittable on the feet, but it seems like it's against really aggressive offensive strikers. Um Joe, like Dominic Reyes is not aggressive unless he hurts you. It seems like to me, or uh, like on the on the counter, he's extremely aggressive, right? But that takes his opponent to be aggressive right. with his hands to begin with. Whereas Jones is so comfortable at that kicking range, and he like he will literally turn around and run away if he misses a kick and he's in punching range with you and you have power. That's what he did against Tiago Santos. But again, Tiago Santos on one leg went to split decision with him. So Dominic Do you think Jones's legs chance. is are, are are Reyes's legs that much shorter than Jones? Um I'm not sure. I actually might have a stab I on mean that. John Jones John Jones kicking range like means that he's in kicking range and Dominic Reyes kicks really hard. He does, but he's not nearly as advanced as no, John he's not, Jones he's, when it comes he's to not, the He's game. not as quick and he's not as he's not as advanced, but he kicks hard and Jones has those little chicken legs, man. True. Uh, another thing that kind of I mean, he can murder favorite, me with those little chicken legs, but for for I mean, shit, he can murder most people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. again, his ability to injure people is fucking uncanny, and that's another thing that I noticed with him. He tries to injure you. He's nasty. He's dirty in there, Nick. He will stop your breathing. He kicked Anthony Smith in the head, right in that third round, I believe, and Anthony Smith blocked it, and somehow the referee missed it, and it was just a really, really ter- like the referee was looking away that very, very second. And then he proceeds to knee Anthony Smith in the head moments later because he got away with that head kick. Like, he's just nasty and dirty. His his eye pokes, like, he he does everything and anything that it takes to win. Like, John, I, I think that might be a factor here as well. Again, I, I like Dominic Reyes's mental fortitude that he's coming into this matchup with. He's saying all of the right things. His mindset seems to be in a great place. But I, I'm just not sure that he's the level of uh, fighter that Jones is. If we're talking about athleticism, John Jones is not only the best light heavyweight of all time, his two brothers are in the NFL and well-respected high-level players, right? Not just like mm-hmm. benchers here. Whereas we're talking about Dominic Reyes as very athletic and he you know, wrestled in high school and, and 
played football and was pretty good in college and didn't even get seriously looked at by the NFL, like never even made a practice team, right? So there is a different level of athleticism here, even though Jones has way more mileage, has a lot of baggage. Um, again, I, I definitely see ways for Dominic Reyes to win, but I just think I just think John Jones is, you know, there's a reason he's never been actually beaten, and, and you got to take him as your number three pick if you haven't picked him up until now, if you ask me. Yeah, um, I... Uh... I'm with you, but I'm very excited to see it. I mean, it's I mean, practically, it's it's you know, it's the reason to spend sixty five dollars here because everything else is in, is a UFC on ESPN ESPN Plus level. Uh, event. I agree. Couldn't agree with you more. What's your next pick, buddy? Uh, let me look into this here. My next pick is a guy I've slept on before, but I smell upset. I think Dan Iga Inga Iga help me out here. Dan Ige. Dan Ige is going to knock is going to knock out Mirsid Bektik. Um Ige's got got sneaky power. I think he's underrated and Bektik's he's got a uh you know kind of like um who's a terrific Persian fighter who's a wrestler. You like him a lot. He's an Iranian wrestler who's really into Jesus. Benil Daryush. Yeah, Benil Daryush's uh, Achilles heel is his chin. And he's susceptible to getting hit, and I so, so is Merced Bektik. And I feel like that's I feel like Danny gets a bad matchup because he's gonna find he's the kind of guy who finds who finds chins. Um, so I'm pre- I'm predicting uh, I'm predicting a second round knockout here. Second round knockout. Now, while I agree that Dan Dynamite Ige looked good in his last fight against Kevin Aguilar, standing up for the most part. And I think a lot of folks expected Aguilar to have a big edge there. Aguilar has some serious power, even though he's not very fast. Um, and he's fairly technical and very experienced. I, I just feel like looking good against Kevin Aguilar standing is, uh, there's, a, there's a difference there versus fighting Bektik, who will be consistently looking for takedowns. Now, it seems to me like the people that Ige has been able to beat so far are fairly meddling in the UFC. Uh, Aguilar... Pretty decent win, actually. His best win yet. Danny Henry, not that great of a fighter overall. Not that effective of a UFC fighter. Jordan Griffin, you know, losing record in the UFC. Mike Santiago. A lot of guys without Wikipedia pages. Yeah, safe to say. Julio Arson, his UFC debut, he got, you know, roughed up by. So I do think this is a bit of a step up in athleticism. And I do understand that Bechta gets tired in that third round. And his stand-up is not that great. He's kind of stiff for a guy who's that athletic. But I do think he'll be able to get top position over Ige and score some serious points in those first couple of rounds. And then, you know, maybe not look all that awesome in the third round and then end up losing, oh, end up winning a decision, Bektik will. So I disagree with the pick, but I definitely hear where you're coming from. I, I, think, I think this is a pick em fight for good reason. What do you got? My next pick, Nick, is going to be... I feel like this is the rest of these fights, in my opinion, are pickems, no matter what yeah. the odds say. I'm going to pick a fight that was just added to this card, Nick. A couple of UFC debutants. I'm going to pick Austin Lingo to beat Yusuf yep. Zalal. Uh, just smart, on, smart pick. Yeah, just just on the just on the fights that I've been able to catch of these two guys. Yusuf is pretty good. He's kind of a tall, lanky kickboxer who trains at Factory X, which is a pretty decent team. Guys like Anthony Smith, Ian Heinich, James Krause uh, are on that team, and so pretty high level. But he's fighting Austin Lights Out Lingo, who is undefeated, has a bunch of knockouts, serious, serious power, and a lot of confidence in his right hand. Trains at Fortis MMA, which in my opinion is one of the best gyms of 2019, one of the best up-and-coming gyms. Guys like Joff Neal, Ryan Spann come from that camp. 
Um, he is going to, size-wise, they're pretty similar, although Yusuf, uh, the younger man here, will have a five-inch reach advantage. I just like Lingo's serious power, man. I mean, it seems like Yusuf uh, was fighting, you know, low-level competition for a while, was undefeated, then fought two decent guys, lost those two fights, then went back down to low-level competition right before making his UFC debut. So, uh, Lingo is not low level. He's got these fights out of a serious team, and I think his power alone is going to be the big difference maker here. Yeah, I mean, here, here's was one of the deciding factors. Able to watch a little bit of tape. They both had several fights in uh, an organization called the LFA, and Austin Lingo clearly ran through them like a buzzsaw. If I remember correctly, he has a bunch of first round finishes, some in extremely, uh, he got you know in and out of there quite quickly. Whereas Yusuf Zalal in the same organization was a little bit more like a gatekeeper journeyman. Like he was, you know, he was 500 or maybe a little bit better than 500 um, in the same spot. So that tells me that coming out of that, the same level of organization um, that, that, you know, that Lingo is, uh, is riding the hot hand, so to speak. Um, so this will be his fight. You would imagine coming out, if they both have a bunch of fights in the same org, they um, are probably relatively familiar with one another. And uh, yeah, I just got to believe that, you know, based on those performances, um, any, anything can happen, but I think Lingo was the pick, and I'm kind of kicking myself that I didn't make this one sooner. I'm glad to hear that, Nick. That gives me even more confidence than I already started with. And man, that I start with the big head. I've seen it. <laughs> But it's got to oh. be big to support your nose. <laughs> that, that is very, very fair. You are not kidding, man. The big feet, too. Can you imagine how the nose would just weigh me forward and have me falling if I was like a size 8? That would be no, a size 14. I am, I'm, like a, I'm like a size 8. You're like, but you're like if Ichabod Crane was a model. It works. Um, <laughs> That's very kind. <laughs> that, made, that was a little back. It was a little backhanded, but um. oh, I was definitely backhanded. But but I I will take it, Nick. Any compliment I can get, I I am I'm happy to take. Um. um What's your next okay, so, buddy? Oh boy. You know, I'm going back and forth because that heavyweight fight on the main card, I think, is going to be a shit show. And Juan <laughs> Adams, Adams looks so terrible against Greg Hardy that I kind of just want to stay away from this fight. And I think that just based on UFC experience and, and what we've seen from him, I'm going to go with Andre Ewell over Jonathan Martinez. I just think he's been there, he's done that, he's a little more seasoned. Um, and I, I think, I think it's kind it's, it's It's ranked almost as like a pick em fight, but I like, I like Andre Yule. Like he's, he, he reminds me a little bit of Andre Feely and his, uh, his kind of all over the placeness. Um, but I think he's going to, I think he's going to tighten his game and I think he should, I think he's going to come into this fight confident. I think it's Jonathan Martinez's first. UFC fight. Is that correct? Oh no. He's actually, Jonathan Martinez is either two and one or Two and zero in the UFC. Jonathan Martinez. Really? Yeah, he's uh -oh. he's not. I mean, it's it's not against high level competition. Andre Ewell's been fighting some really high level competition, but um, yeah, but Martinez is. Let me see. Oh he's yeah, yeah, one. you're right. But he lost to Andre uh, Sukumtot. Yep. Which and then he beat a couple of guys like, that you haven't really heard of. Yeah, because Andre Sukumtot doesn't hasn't exactly. Brought, I mean, he hasn't. He's not a guy known for his great game planning. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're losing to Andre Sikumtop in the UFC and even even beating a, a really diminished Henan Barrow, um, just what it takes to get in there against the champion. Um, Plus, I, he's a much I, bigger man in this matchup. Andre Yulis? Yeah. Yeah, I just, uh, 
you know, he did lose to Marlon Vera, but like in the third round, and Marlon Vera is really good. Yes. Um, I mean, yeah, that's a guy that's beat Frankie Science and been in there with Lineker and fought three rounds with Lineker. Like, I just think, I mean, maybe you know, maybe this is a, a fight for where Jonathan Martinez has a lot to, where he does have a lot to prove, and maybe he'll do it. I just think. Like Ewell's um, two most recent losses, or actually his only two losses in the UFC, are to Nathaniel Wood and Marlon Vera. And those are, I mean, those are studs. Totally. So Absolutely. I think, I think, uh, I think this is Ewell's fight. Um, I just think he's been, he's been in there with, he's been in there with better guys. And, uh, and he's been, he's also, you know, got some more impressive victories. Yeah, um, I disagree with this one, but it is a tough pick. Oh, it was, shut it up. was one of my yeah. Again, it was it was one of my one of my latter picks, but I do like Martinez. Just watching tape from his last fight, man, he's mostly just a counter fighter and does a good job. Like he he backs up and 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 waits for you to throw something, and then almost every single time you throw something, he's gonna counter. Now in this case, it's kind of weird because he's not only I think he's three inches sh- uh, shorter than is Andre Ewell, but he's also got a six-inch reaches advantage. So can he really counter effectively with those knees and, and those hands of his against Ewell, who's also a very good striker, who's got significant size advantage? I don't know. Um, but he does train with Factory X, Jonathan Martinez does, and that's a solid team. Anthony Smith, Ian Heinich, James Krause on that team, as I, I talked about earlier. I, I like Martinez's style. I like the fact that he trains with a fairly solid team. And even though he's a significantly shorter man here, um, I, I, I like him to win. Andre Ewell also, he seems like, granted it was against Marlon Vera, but just watching tape on that one, he just seems to get more and more tired as the fight goes. At the end of the first round, takes a big, deep breath. Like he's, you know, he's feeling it. Uh, second round, he's fairly tired. Third round, he's kind of exhausted. And I think Jonathan Martinez coming off of a third round knockout in his last UFC fight, there's reason to believe he might just be either the same or getting stronger as a fight girl. So I do give Martinez the edge, but again, there's a big size disparity here. And both these guys are strikers who are not that great off of their back. So very similar strengths and weaknesses for these two guys. All right, what do you got? My next picnic. Um, I, I hate to make these picks, as you alluded to that heavyweight fight on the main card. I'm going to take Juan Adams over Justin Taffa. We didn't get to see very much from Justin Taffa, but then Justin Taffa has like three or four fights in MMA, at least in the pro ranks, whereas Juan Adams has a significant amount of experience. And when Juan Adams gets hit in the head hard, he doesn't just press forward and walk right into your strikes. He's actually going to go for a takedown and often enough get it. And I think Justin Taffa's got the kind of experience level where he should be able to get that. Juan Adams was mentally so out of sorts going into his last fight. I believe his only loss... Uh, against Greg Hardy. Uh, now he lost right lot. before that. He lost to Arjun Bular. Oh, that's right. He he kept getting taken down by Arjun. I actually picked Arjun in that one uh, in an upset. I think I made some money off that fight. But uh, but that's a very good point. But Justin Toff is not going to take him down. Justin Toff is not necessarily going to intimidate him. He's the smaller man here. Um, it, you know, Adams put so much pressure on himself for that Hardy fight as like the good guy who has to win for all the good guys out there. And he completely botched it. I don't expect him to walk in with the same kind of mindset against a guy like Justin Taffa. So I like Adams over Taffa, but Taffa could land a bomb and end it early. So I definitely see the risk in this one. Is yeah, the reason Ta- it's I mean, one of my Taffa's picks. an Australian guy, I believe. You know, he's he's uh, I think he's Maori. I'm not 100 percent sure, but he's a, he's he's described as a Mark Hunt protege, yep. which uh, leads me to believe he's going to be a tough dude. 
and and where Juan Adams was mentally in that Greg Hardy fight was not impressive. So I will right. see. We'll see what's going to happen, but I won't be surprised if Justin Taffa, um Let me put it this way. I don't think you get to be Mark Hunt's protege by being uh, weak-minded. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I, I, don't I, don't think Mark, I don't think Mark Hunt goes easy on people in the gym. No, no, by um, no means, and, and he's a guy with a lot of experience for sure. Uh, is your? If, do you have like a? Do you want to put in an official pick? I know you see it as very close, and I get eh, that. I I don't know. I guess I mean for kicks and shits and giggles and stuff, I'll go with Tafa. Um, cool. so oh boy, my next pick. There's not much. What are there? Two fights left to pick, or three? Uh, I'm seeing three fights. Okay, one of these I forgot to do research on. I didn't see it, so I'm gonna not. I'm gonna not pick that one. Um, oh boy, oh boy, nothing looks nothing looks good <laughs> nothing on the looks menu. Appetizing at this point, yeah. No, and I can not only that. I, I wrote down picks. I cannot remember at all why I picked the people I did. Um, <laughs> so we'll make it. We'll make this one quick. I won't have much of a story with it, but I'm gonna go with uh, Domingo Pilarte over Journey Newsom. So why, why don't you tell me why I did that? <laughs> um, Domingo Pilarte is a significantly taller man. He looked good on the contender That's series, why. and then yeah, and, and That's then, why I picked him. Is is that really? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, he looked good on the contender series, and then lost a very you know a very close split decision to uh, Carlaris. I forget I forget his first name, uh, but you know he was just getting taken down fairly regularly. Jeremy Newsom doesn't really go for takedowns. He's more of a boxer, I think, than anything else. But he's fairly seasoned for a guy that just kind of made a short-notice UFC debut like he did against a very high-level opponent. So I, I disagree with the pick ever so slightly. I know that Domingo Pilarte is significantly taller than Journey Newsom, but I think Pilarte being a southpaw who doesn't really move his head well and Journey Newsom being an excellent boxer who lands a sick, heavy right hand, I think will be to his advantage, to his favor. Um, and he walked into his UFC debut, I think, on a few days' notice and you know, had a semi-competitive fight with Ricardo Ramos, which I think is something to be said about him. So I do give him the slightest of edges, but Domingo Pilarte is considered, I think, a pretty serious prospect. He trains with Elevation Fight Team, according to my research. Justin Gaethje, Alistair Overeem, Dominic Reyes. Well, Dominic Reyes spends time out there, huh? According to this, he does. That's fascinating. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just think uh, uh, Pilarte has the higher level team, but I like Journey Newsom's overall skills. Much, much shorter. He's got a seven-inch uh, height and reach disadvantage in this case, but I just think Newsom has a heavy right hand and Pilarte is hittable enough. So we disagree uh, on that one, Nick. From, from two left, what do you got? Yeah, of the two. Oh, this is tough. I think I'm going to take... I think I'm going to go with the middleweight bout, Nick. The matchup between Trevin Giles and Antonio Arroyo. I'm going to pick the slight underdog in Antonio Arroyo to beat Trevin Giles. Trevin Giles recently became a cop. And it seems like ever since that happened, Nick, he hasn't really been able to win a fight. Granted, he's been fighting oh, yeah, higher. Uh, he's been fighting a higher level of competition, which may be a factor there. I could uh, maybe more of a factor than the fact that he has a full time job where he's probably putting in forty hours plus overtime. But I, I, I like. I like the southpaw and Antonio Arroyo. I think he his ground game is pretty mediocre. His team is not that high level. But then Trevin Giles' team is not that high level either. Um, Trevin Giles is mainly a stand-up fighter who's not that great on the ground, so they both have similar weaknesses here. I like Arroyo's height advantage. Um, reach is pretty similar, but Arroyo's got a pretty dynamic kicking game. He's in a lot of ways a lot like Luke Rockhold, just this very handsome, uh, like perfect physiqued, man at 185 who looks like he's a little too big for that weight division he's got a serious kicking game and even though Giles has better boxing in my opinion 
Uh, I I like Arroyo here by a slight edge. Cool. What do you so think? There's of the one more. Yeah, I, I agree with everything everything that you said. What's cool. what's uh? Hang on, what fight haven't we picked? Oh, uh, oh the, the Mario Batista Miles Jones. Yep. Yeah. The um, I was going with the underdog in that. Um, who's the underdog? Who's who's Mario Batista? Yeah, I, I can see why he's he's dynamic. He's solid. There's a reason I left this from the last pick. Yeah, it's a, but uh, you know, Miles Johns is undefeated. Um, yeah, I like. I mean, Mario Batista. That's right. He had that. This is why I was just picking him. He had that. He had a fight against Corey Sanhagen that he lost, and that was you know, I mean, it's Corey Sanhagen who could very well be champion by the end of the year. Um, you know, in the in the weight class, and then he looked really good against uh, Jinsu Sun. Um, where was that fight? That was, I feel like I uh, was in San Antonio on uh, Dos Anjos Edwards. Um, yeah, pretty good fight actually. Yeah, yeah, it was, and I think I picked uh, Jinsu Sun in that, which we um, both did. I, yeah, and we were wrong. Yes, but sir. Uh, you know, Miles John is. Miles Johns is, uh, you know, he's an undefeated dude. He had a split decision win. He came off of the contender series, but all, de- you know, all decisions. Uh, you looked up and down his record. He doesn't have a ton of finishes. Um, I just think, but I think uh, Batista's been in there with a, with a little bit better. And I know he's the underdog here, um, but I see him pulling this fight out. I ended up picking Miles Johns very reluctantly. He is the shorter man here. Um, significant reach disadvantage, something like six inches. But he does have a really solid wrestling game, and he fights out of Fortis MMA. And probably Fortis MMA is one of the you bigger like, reasons yeah, why you like those guys. You're all do it. Sh- you're all you're all over their shit, man. Yeah, and and they have a, a several fighters on this card, which which I think is significant. Um, look, Batista trains out of the MMA lab. He's got a sick pressure game. The guy's got this insane. Uh, his number of strikes landed per minute is seven and a half, Nick. That's insanity. The problem is he absorbs six strikes per minute, um, whereas his opponent lands three and a half but absorbs you know a little more than two strikes per minute. It's it's not dissimilar in the disparity, but the fact is Maria Batista takes a lot of offense, and also Maria Batista is a pressure fighter. He's got power in just about everything. Not the knockout kind of power, but the kind of power that makes you not want to be there with him anymore, especially if you don't have enough heart. Um, I, I like Miles John's odds of potentially landing his right hand on the counter. But more importantly, I like him to be able to shoot under Batista's offense. I like Batista a lot, and I'll be rooting for him. He's he's the more dynamic, more exciting fighter. But I'm, I'm giving the ever so slightest edge to Miles Johns because of his wrestling and his, in my opinion, higher level training camp. Cool. And that wraps our picks, man. What do we got? Uh, let's take a little break, and then we'll talk bets. Let's do it. I quickly want to give everybody our picks of the night. Uh, I got Shevchenko oh, yeah. as my first pick. Alex Morona as my second pick. John Jones, third. Uh, UFC newcomer Lingo as my fourth. Juan Adams as my fifth pick. And Antonio Arroyo as my final pick. Nick, your picks were uh, Lewis first. Yeah, not in order. I'll, I'll, read my, I'll read my goddamn picks. Thank all you. right, all right. Jeez. Was Lewis my first pick? Are you seriously going to ask me that question after the the sass you just showed me, sir? Domingo Pilarte, Andre Yule, Mario Bautista, Dan Inga, uh, Andrea Lee, Derek Lewis. What's interesting about this is usually you have a lot of the picks on the undercard, and I have a lot of the picks on the main card, but not tonight. 
Yeah, it seems like yeah, I have uh, three. Uh, I mean, I still card. have more. You've got the you've got three. Yeah, you got three on the main card. Yeah, yeah, you you have two of them on the main card. I, I think Jones was like both of us consider that to be a pretty close fight. I just feel like I just feel like it's John Jones, man. Like if you have the opportunity to pick him as a third pick, you got to do it. I got to say, this could be. This could very well be the uh, his Anderson Silva Weidman night. Very well could be, and it's funny considering his opponent is coming off a win over Chris Weidman, a diminished version of Chris Weidman, of course. But yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. And here's the thing: for Chris Weidman, that would be best case scenario. I think is if John Jones gets upset by Reyes on Saturday night, because Chris Weidman can then say, you know what, I lost to the best of all time, who beat the best of all time. And maybe I could still make it a 205. I think Chris Wyman is the kind of guy that can convince himself of that. Not that he needs that because the guy does not intend on retiring anytime soon despite his recent record. Yeah, it bums me out. I don't want to talk about that. I feel you, brother. Uh, let's take that break and get into our bet recommendations to the MMA Geeks C-Level Podcast betting guide. And we are back to the MMA Geeks betting guide. Nikolai, I, I feel like I'm actually 0-2 in events for this year, which is very unlike me to, to lose two betting events in a row. But I expect to make a pretty big comeback. There that's were a how it starts, that man. That's, that's just a guy hands it in a light envelope. That's just the beginning. <laughs> so you, you think I'll be? Uh, you think I'll probably be selling my body for for a quarter? Very soon here, oh, given my I, I think, gambling addiction. I think, I think you can get more than a quarter. I really appreciate it. That's the second compliment you gave me this episode, Nick. This is my favorite episode thus far. I just want to make this clear to you. All right. Um, here's my gambling picks because I always lose. So, so here's what I'll do. This isn't likely to pay off, but at odds of up to plus 801, Caitlin Kuchagian um, to win this fight. And, even, and if you do a prop bet on uh, – on a decision or even split decision, I bet you this pays out really big. Wouldn't be the strangest thing. It would not. So putting like 10 or $20 down on Caitlin Chukagian can get you, can win you like Roxanne Mataferi on Macy Barber money. Yeah. Chukagian by decision is plus a thousand ninety five. Nick. And I would say that, uh, you know, I think uh, I'll do a, I'll do a little silly parlay here. I like uh, Derek Lewis and Dan Inga. Um, together. Uh, I also for with twenty dollars on that on that bet, and I really think that at plus three fifty, uh, Dominic Reyes is a steal. I think you put twenty five dollars down on Reyes. Uh, did you say Lingo and Lewis twenty dollars? Inga and Lewis. Who is Ige, whatever the fuck, Dan, oh, Ige. Dan, Ige, whatever the goddamn. Lewis and Ige, twenty dollars. Uh, that probably will give you plus money, which is great. And what was the other bet you just mentioned? Uh, the other bet is Dominic Reyes, like twenty five dollars on Reyes with those odds. I mean, yeah, geez, I he's up, you know, that. as high as plus is plus three sixty three. I mean, I think he should be like plus one fifty to plus two hundred tops. Um, and also, your I don't know who sets these you... odds, but like I don't know. I feel like sometimes the odds makers on don't really like know fighting that well. Well, here's the thing: it's not just about fighting; it's also based on how they think people will bet. Right. Right. In, in other words, if if you if you make a guy a huge 
favorite and people will still lay down money on him, he's going to become a bigger favorite just because of that, right? So it's it's really not that simple. Sometimes the odds makers get it way wrong um, and sometimes it's for good reason, but it does create betting opportunities for the smarts out there. For, for example, for a Conor McGregor fight, the odds are usually kind of weirdly, you know, not where they should be. And that's because he has so much hype behind him that a lot of regular folks who don't normally bet put a lot of money on him. Um, right. Let me ask you, you Shukagian bet, are you, do you want to, like, how much money do you want to put on her? And do you want her by decision or do you want to just a straight bet? Uh, oh, no, put her by decision. Why not? Decision at a plus. Yeah. I mean, she's not, she ain't knocking her out. She didn't knock anybody out. She's not going to suddenly knock out Valentina Shevchenko, who's gotten hit by Nunez, who's gotten punched in the face by Amanda Nunez and not gone down. Um, Agreed. Uh, what would you put on her? Five bucks? Um, ten, ten All bucks. All right, I like it. Um, Nick, uh, yeah, I, I I agree with a couple of your bets. In fact, I'm 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 gonna make them as well. Uh, first, I'll take Reyes over Jones at plus three thirty five, fifteen dollars to win fifty. I feel like it's worth uh, you know a fairly minor bet, but I also want to place a bet on Reyes by decision. Nick, the odds are plus eleven thirty. $8 to win 90 That makes sense to me considering John Jones is coming off of a split decision win over a much lower level fighter who's smaller and was fighting on one leg. Um, I will also, however, invest into John Jones by decision. You can get plus money if you choose this route. Uh, plus 230 $22 to win 51 So basically, if either of these guys win by decision, I'm going to make a really nice profit. And if uh, Reyes wins in any way, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll make some money. So not bad to put 30 bucks on basically this fight going to the decision and guaranteeing myself a uh, profit if that does happen. Um, I'm also going to recommend Shevchenko by decision, Nick. Shockingly, and this is to me the biggest steal on this card, is minus 125. Given how the odds are otherwise, that's so crazy to me. The, the chick doesn't really finish a whole lot of fights. So I like Shevchenko by decision, minus 125, $60 to win 48. Um, yeah, I'm also going to put... Yeah, absolutely. I'm also going to put four bucks on Shukagian to win by decision, which should net me fifty dollars if I have uh, if I have my numbers right. Uh, four bucks is certainly worth the risk there. So if yeah. this fight goes to the decision, I'm going to come out with uh, a pretty nice profit and not complaining about that. Now, Jonathan Martinez, I like him straight. Thirty dollars to win thirty at plus one hundred. He's a slight underdog there, but I just like what I've seen from him so far, and I'm not sure that UL has the heart to to really make it very far in the UFC. Although he could very well win this fight, of course. As far as my parlays, I'm going to recommend uh, Andrea Lee and Alex Morono. Andrea Lee is minus 340. Morono is minus 270. Big favorites these two are. But if you combine them, you can bet 65 bucks to win 50. Um, I like those odds. I like those numbers. I think parlays overall are risky, but I do like to put one or two in there with a couple of fighters that I really believe in. You know who was last uh, on the last event that ended up failing me, Nick? It was um, it was Dos Anjos. I invested yep. uh, fairly heavily in him on a straight bet and also uh, in a parlay, and, and he really just really just did not look good. So if John Jones can pick up a big win here, what do you see happening next for him, Nick? I think at this point he will have more or less cleaned out light heavyweight. I think you may see him do something like fight Curtis Blades um, for a challenge to start. I think he might start doing weird shit. Uh, I think you might see him call up Brock Lesnar. I don't know. I just who who's he? Who else is he going to fight? Yeah, I mean, if look, if Corey if John Anderson, Jones, like, do you really I mean, want to yeah, see John Jones it, against Corey Anderson? 
I don't, but did you really want to see John Jones against his last two opponents? Against I want to see him against Dominic Reyes. No, but, you know, it's uh, – and, you know, Anderson Silva had fights like that too, like uh, Patrick Cote and – That's and, true, but, you know, but John Jones – like, Anderson Silva fought the best that I think that was available at the time. There wasn't a whole lot of it, and he did clear out his division entirely. Don't get me wrong, but he did fight the best that was available at the time. When yeah. he went up to light heavyweight, he fought some pretty, you know, meddling competition, although he did knock out Forrest Griffin, who was a former champion. But – John Jones is like choosing to fight smaller guys. He's calling it. He chose to fight Anthony Smith. He chose to fight Tiago Santos. He's calling out Israel Adesanya. Well, Dominic Reyes isn't smaller. No, he's definitely not smaller, but he said he didn't want to fight him for a while there. And I think the UFC maybe didn't give him much of a choice. I think he's going to absolutely want to fight Smith next. You think he'll fight Anthony Smith again? Uh, no, I'm sorry. Not, not Smith. Uh, uh, the guy that just beat Johnny Walker. Corey Anderson? Corey Anderson, yes, I, I think I think that's that's a fight that he can definitely win. Fight he has really good odds of. I don't think he wants to risk going up to heavyweight unless it's against a really shitty opponent. I do think he might be able to might be willing to fight Stipe if no one else, just because I think he has a he thinks he has a better chance. I think against Stipe than he does against guys like Blades and Ngannou. Um, so yeah, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if maybe he goes up to heavyweight for Stipe, but he's been talking about that for ages. He tells Israel Adesanya right after Israel won the uh, middleweight championship, calls him out and calls him a wuss. I'll quote him, a pussy for not wanting to come up and fight the greatest, arguably, of all time, 20 pounds up. But John Jones refuses to go up to fight anybody there, even though he keeps talking about it. I think he's fairly risk-averse, both in his style recently and in the matchups that he's choosing. I do think this is his toughest opponent in at least over a year. And I just think the UFC gave him no choice but to fight this guy. Yeah, it's going to be We'll see. We'll see. I could he could win this fight and retire. Who knows what he's going to do? He's a crazy motherfucker. I th- I think it's pretty unlikely. I don't think he's close to retiring. No, 12 he, years. 12 years is a long time. I agree and and that's what I meant by the fact that he's kind of slowing down. He's not the same guy that he used to be. Uh it's 12 years later, man. Like he's been at this shit at the highest level for such a long time. Granted, he only has six fights in the last 5 years, but you know, there, there was there was drug use, there was there was steroid use, there were, there were all kinds of things that have gone through his body. On top of all the punishment that he's taken over the years, again, a winning fighter and, and a really good fighter, but he has taken damage. Many many five round fights that went the distance on this guy's record, and you know, if you think about it, outside of those two finishes over Daniel Cormier, which by the way got overturned into a no contest because he popped for performance enhancing uh, supplements, so. I mean, that's actually not a win on his record. Outside of his win over Alexander Gustafsson, his last finish before that was over Chael Sonnen, over 185-pound, old-ass Chael Sonnen with 12 losses going into that fight back in 2013. And honestly, that's the closest Jones ever came to losing because if you remember, he had a he had a compound fracture of his toe when that round yeah. ended. And if Sonnen, if, Sonnen, if Sonnen had held on for another another 27 seconds, he would have been champion. Yeah, if only Sonnen had some heart. That would have been a very different world, it's true. But yeah, I mean, um, Jones also, I realized, wears tape around, uh, I believe, the same foot and the same toe that, that was kind of sticking out. So it, it to some extent, I, I assume it's still a bit of a concern for him. But yeah, look, what's next for him? I hope heavyweight. I highly doubt it. I think he's going to continue to pick off the easiest matchups he can to build on his legacy. I don't consider him to be pound for pound best. I think his level of competition has been way lower than guys at several weight divisions down. Way lower. A guy at 155 like Khabib who's undefeated. You're telling me that guy's ranked below Jones because Jones beat Glover Teixeira and Quentin Jackson? Uh, I think here's the thing. 
I think uh, I think Khabib's been a more dominant champion, but Jones has still been the best for twelve years. I mean, you got to it's at two hundred five. Yeah, and two, at a he, way, well, he way, clean, way I mean, weaker. He destroyed the he destroyed the division though. He he drove a lot of talent to middleweight because for a while, like. I mean, he really, uh, yeah, I mean, he really bankrupted Rashad the Evans, and yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how many people went to middleweight, but but I mean, don't get I me think wrong. guys coming up chose 185 because at the time they saw a clearer path. Oh yeah, I can certainly see that. And John Jones, like, there's no 185er that's John Jones level ever since Anderson Silva gave up that mantle. Uh, although there's an argument to be made for Israel Adesanya very early in his title reign. But I just feel like John Jones has ruled over a really shitty, shitty division. Even back in the days of Randy Couture and Chuck Liddell. Whereas 155, yeah. Nick, any guy in the top 20 of 155 could be a top two, maybe number one fighter at light heavyweight if you give him all the same skills, but in a bigger version. Like we're talking about yeah, different leagues as far as the weight division. So I absolutely don't buy into the idea that John Jones has been popped for steroids a couple of times. John Jones, he fights in one of the shittiest divisions uh, in MMA history is the greatest of all time. He's clearly the greatest light heavyweight. He's the greatest over 185 pound fighter of all time. I'll buy that. I'll even buy that he's the greatest over 170 pound fighter in the world. But 170 and below, they're a bunch of super stacked divisions with a bunch of killers. And John Jones has never consistently competed against guys like that. Um, I'd say Daniel Cormier is by far his best win and by far the win that will continue to look good on his record. And I mean, even that he had to. You know, the finish over Danny Cormier has to be stricken from his record because of his multiple steroid failures. And I mean, despite those, de- again, you know, outside of those defeats, I think da- I think Daniel Cormier's had a. I mean, he was late to MMA. Uh, um, you know, he got started at a later at a later age. Obviously, he was wrestling forever, but two wins against Anthony Johnson and championships at two divisions, and a win against Stipe, um, and the Gustafson fight, like. Yeah, he's lost to John Jones, but I would think it can be argued that Daniel Cormier has had a more decorated career. Uh, overall, yeah, yeah, I think it could be argued. It's just tough to say that with you know with the two losses, of that yeah. knockout. Yeah, but I do hear you. There's reason to there's reason to come to that conclusion, especially if you consider Daniel Cormier's size. Like he's like five ten, five eleven at two. And just the risk he's taken. The risk he's taken fighting fighting Anderson Silva, like I mean, Daniel Cormier has just been so great for the sport. As bad as John Jones has been for the sport, Daniel Cormier has been, you know, that good. Uh, I, I agree. He's a great ambassador. Okay, is there a card next week? Uh, there, yeah, I believe there's a card every week, Nick, from this weekend up until like the middle of April. Oh, it's the Corey, yeah, Corey Anderson, Jan uh, Jan Blankovic. Well, that's a good setup for John Jones's next fight, isn't but it? But then wait, is Diego is Diego Sanchez still fighting Michelle Perea? Or I thought Diego Sanchez got um, suspended this week. I, I, I haven't heard anything about him getting card? suspended. It might be it might be that this yeah he popped for that su- that that tainted supplement thing. They gave him three months. Oh, I see. But is it three months from his last fight? I don't know. Let me see. I think that might be the question. Uh, we've got Devin Clark versus Antigulov, the Russian submission fighter on this one. Montana Del Rosa. Yeah, not exactly a great card by any means. This is one that folks can miss when you got Lando Vignata on the lower end of the card, um, or any point in the card. Like it's you know he's not he's not very high level at all. But Tim Means, John Dodson. This has got a good undercard. This is one of those. This is one of those cards where I'm more interested in the preliminary card. Nico Montani against Macy Chazon. That's an interesting fight. Agreed. Oh, oh yeah. Miller now Scott looking Holden. at the interesting. prelims. John, right. John Dodson against John Dodson against Nathaniel Wood is the most interesting fight of the night. Maybe. I I agree, man. Jim Miller's on the card. Bontorim versus Borg. Ray Borg is on the fight. Casey Kenny's on the card against Davashvili. 
Um, I totally agree. Lando Venata, Yancy Medeiros will not be boring. No, Nick, this prelim card, I was just looking at the main card when I said that moments ago. This prelim card is fucking great, eh? I am, I am excited to see several of these fights. And even the ones I'm not excited about, I, I am interested in. So, yeah, definitely some meat on the Diego bone. Sanchez, Michelle Perea is going to be insanity if, 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 uh, <laughs> if Sanchez can fight. Both of those guys are completely out of their minds. Fucking kidding. And they actually have oddly enough kind of similar records. Perea was able to amass 10 losses in the lower levels, or maybe 9 losses if you don't count as UFC loss, whereas Diego Sanchez has 12 losses only in the UFC. So it's kind of interesting looking at those records uh, given both of these guys' experiences. Yeah, also when they leave food and they both have potential careers in the surface. Yeah, I don't know what tricks Diego Sanchez would do. Like maybe to give him a microphone and get him to one of Yeah, to be the crazy guy. Yeah, yeah, just give him a microphone. 